So as Hal said, I am Todd Lowry, one of the pastors here at Redeemer, and I have the the privilege of sharing with you from God's Word, Hebrews chapter 3. For those who are here, it's good to see you all. For those who are watching online, I, I, I want you to know we remember you as well, so we are glad that you are with us. Um, continuing on, this series in Hebrews, which really, if you want to boil it down to one sentence, it, it, it's all about moving closer to Christ. What do we need to do? What do we need to be aware of if, we are, if we're going to move closer to Christ? So let's, let's get right into the text. It's Hebrews chapter 3. It's printed for you in your bulletins. If you have your Bibles, you can open up that as well. As I'm reading, I would like you to consider three things. So we're going to talk about all these things throughout the course of the sermon. First of all, I want you to think about what would it look like or what is an evil, unbelieving heart? That's the first thing. What is an evil, unbelieving heart? Secondly, how, how would I know if I had one? Or how would I get one? And lastly, uh, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to make sure that we, rather than having evil, hardened, unbelieving hearts and turning away from the living God, what, what do I need to do to make sure that we are moving closer to Christ? So, think about those three things. We're going to talk about them in the sermon as I read this passage, beginning with verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. This is God's word. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, I ask this morning as we look at this, your word, as we look at your, or we hear your voice, would would you draw us closer to Jesus Christ? Would you help us understand more of your love and your mercy. Help us to see Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. So the older I get, the more I find that I like to tell stories about me in the past. I like to love to tell stories about when I was in high school, all the, not the bad things I did. I didn't really do that many bad things. Just the fun things I did in high school. I love to tell the story of me in college, up in Chicago, learning what it means to live in the Windy City. I especially like, uh, these, these are my favorite, stories about me when I was in the Army. I mean, everybody, well, most people, not everybody, but most people, they, they love to hear about how I used to jump out of airplanes. They love to hear about how I repelled out of helicopters and, and was a tank commander of an M1 Abrams main battle tank. That sounds kind of fun, doesn't it? 
I really like to tell those stories because they happened decades ago and nobody knows if they're true or not. Sometimes I'll be telling the story or a story about my past and I'll notice on the side there that my wife is looking at me kind of funny. After I end that story, she'll, she'll sometimes come up privately, but sometimes when it's a, a story in particular, she'll, she'll even say it in public. She'll say, hey, honey, I don't think that's the way that story went. And I'll look at her and I'll say, well, sure it is. Yeah, it is. And she'll say, no, remember this, 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 and that. And I'll realize, and I didn't really mean to misrepresent the truth. I didn't, I certainly didn't mean to lie, but my version of the past over time can sometimes get a little cloudy. It's really nice. It's sometimes uncomfortable, but it's really nice to have somebody that loves you, that helps you get back on track. You see, if we listen to the wrong voices, even our own voices sometimes. If we don't see all of the truth and only parts of the truth, we can end up going down the wrong path. And that's what this passage is all about. He wants to make sure that we as God's people don't end up going down the wrong path. So we're going to talk about what it is to have an evil, unbelieving heart. We're going to talk about how you might get one of those evil, unbelieving hearts. And then lastly, we're going to see what it is we need to do as a community of God to make sure that we stay close to Christ. So first of all, look at verse 12. What is an um, evil, unbelieving heart? Take care, or the command is actually, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. That's the warning of the passage. We are, we, we are to make sure, or we're to see to it, or we're to take care that we don't, over time, develop an evil, unbelieving heart that moves us away from God. Now, I have to be honest with you, I do not know that I have ever believed that I have met somebody that set out with the goal to develop an evil, unbelieving heart. I think I've met people that have had evil, unbelieving hearts, but they never set out to get one. So we have to understand what is an evil, unbelieving heart. And we're not talking, first and foremost, we're not talking about those of you who tell me all the time, hey, I just don't have enough faith. We're not talking about a little faith. We're not talking about weak faith. We're not talking even about doubting faith. We're talking about a refusal to believe and to trust God in spite of what we know implicitly that God has worked in our lives. The writer is saying, and this is really important for everybody here, whether you're old or young, the writer is saying, do not consciously, deliberately reject God. Because when we reject God, we're turning from the truth about the living God, de deliberately rejecting the truth of what I know, if you've spent any time at Redeemer, what you know to be true. That we have a God who has created us and created the world that we live in, and it is good. It's a truth that 
our living God is the creator of the world, that, that this same God has come to our rescue. He's at work in our lives, speaking to us, directing us, shaping us into the people that he wants us to be. If you spent any time at Redeemer, I know that you've heard that a lot. And there's a difference between questioning God. There's a difference between wondering what he's up to. Listen, there's a difference even about, you can be sad about what God may be doing in your life. You can even, for a time, be mad. There's a difference in those things and rebelling and provoking and sinning and doing things that you know God is not pleased with. And what we're talking about in this passage is a conscious turning away from God. And the background of this passage and the reason why we read that long passage in Numbers 14 is because that's where the the writer to the Hebrews is drawing this this story. If you you know Numbers 13 13 and 14, I encourage you to go back and listen to that or read that. But there was a group of God's people that had experienced the blessings of God. They they kind kind of like us, they came to church. They knew about the faithfulness of God in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. They knew about the miracles, and they saw the miracles that Moses and Aaron did. They saw their enemies judged, and they, were, they escaped from slavery because of the miraculous intervention of God. They knew these things. They saw these things. They experienced these things. And yet, at the end of this passage, look at, 16, look at verses 16 through 18. This is how that generation was described. They heard and yet rebelled. They left Egypt with Moses, then provoked him and God for 40 years. They sinned. They were disobedient. They died in the wilderness. Why? Not because they had a fragile faith. Not because they even wondered what God was up to in their life. They died because they turned from God, unbelief, evil, unbelieving hearts. And that's what we need to, to think about this morning. Do I have an evil, unbelieving heart? I know no one intends to get one. But I do want to secondly review how do we get there? It's really important for us. It's really important. I was, I was thinking, oh, I wish I was a 10-year-old and heard some of these things and not only heard some of these things, but, but actually put them into play would have saved me so much trouble. How do we get an unbelieving heart? Verse 13 says, at least in part, it comes by a hardening by the deceitfulness of sin. You see that? Hardening, again, is not to have doubts. To be hardened is a habitual state of mind. And and I want you to notice the way sin is presented here, it's almost personified. It's like sin uses deceit or a lack of truth, and over time, that lack of truth hardens the heart. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Over time, when you don't see or hear the truth, or when you continue to live according to only part of the truth, your understanding of reality shifts. You do realize that if I kept telling stories about my past in the army for 25, 30 years, and my wife wasn't there to correct me, I would believe that they were true. That's what sin does. 
it uses a lack of truth or maybe even just a part of the truth to create an alternate reality and before you know it, the world you live in is a lie because we're on the way to have a hardened heart. And it happens, folks. I've seen it happen in this church. That's what happened in Numbers 14. Numbers 14 talks about Numbers 13, 12 spies. And many of you know the story, but if you don't know the story, it's a great story. 12 spies go out to check out the land that God had promised to give them. It was just a, it was a good move. It was a smart thing to do. Hey, let's, let's look and see what we're, what we're going to need to accomplish what God has called us to do. All of them go out and all of them see the same things. They see the big grapes. Right? A land full of fruit, milk, honey. It's a beautiful land. They also see the people. There's a lot of people. And they happen to be big and scary. And it's all true. But ten come back and they only share with the people part of the story. You know what they left out? They left out what the other two spies, Joshua and Caleb, saw. They left out the past work of God, the promises that God was going to take care of them. They they left out the future promises of God, that God was the one that's going to be there to defeat their enemies. You know what they specifically left out? And you read it in Numbers 14. They specifically left out the fact that they were told over and over and over again that God loved them, that God was for them, and God was going to provide everything that they needed to do the things that he called them to do. They weren't believing that God was for them. You know, this is important. You can really be in touch with the world around you. You can be really up to date with the news and the culture, all the things, politics, all the things going on in the world. But if you don't know what God has done in the past, if you don't know the promises that God makes for the future, if you don't know that God is with us as his people and with you as individuals, if you don't remember that, then of course we have no hope in getting the story right because the deceitfulness of sin specifically works at distracting us from those things that are true that we can't see. That God is for you, that God loves you, that God has made a promise to you. That's the way sin works. And when we forget, when we deny, when we suppress the truth that God is with us, that God loves you more than you could ever imagine, then of course our hearts will harden You cannot love a God that you don't think loves you. The question is, who are we listening to as God's people? Because you know who the people listen to in Joshua 14? Or, I'm sorry, yeah, Joshua 14, Numbers 14? They listen to the 10 spies that didn't have all of the truth. What is it that drives our version of the truth, our our ideas of reality? If those voices in the world, whether it be the news media, whether it be social media, whether, it be, whether it's, it's some of your friends, if they distract us 
from our mission, which we saw a part of this morning, to reach and equip the world with the gospel and the good news, if it stops us from doing the things that God has called us to do, we're going to learn later in Hebrews that the writer says you need to cut them off. You don't need to be listening to those voices because when you listen to the wrong voices, you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and you you can turn. So we know what an unbelieving evil heart is. We know in some measure how we get it. It takes time over a period of time where we're not hearing the truth, where we're not remembering the truth. What do we need to do as individuals and, and the people of God? What do we need to do to make sure that we don't have hardened hearts? Because that's the purpose of this passage. He wants to make sure that God's people move to, to, to Christ. They're all, the, the way that we do that is found in verses 13 through 15. There are three short, connected ideas. First, says, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. That's encourage, that's comfort, that's even uh, reproof. We are to encourage, reprove, exhort, comfort one another. And when it says as long, all the time, all the time. The Hebrews were probably meeting every day with their brothers and sisters in Christ in their home churches. They were meeting every day. May not have been a formal worship service, but they got together with the people of God. And the writer first says, you got to have each other which I don't have time to develop this, but if we're going to have each other, you know what that means? We need to be willing to listen to other people. But it also means those other people, and including ourselves, we need to have something that's worth sharing. Right? This is not just talking to each other. It means that we need to understand those unseen, invisible realities of faith that it can only be seen by God's people, and we need to be reminding one another of that. Not only do we need to be the type of people that remind other people about it, but here's the big one. We need to be the kind of people that, that will be reminded by somebody else. So many people you can go to with the truth, and, and this is what they say, and I love it. You're probably right. You know what that means? I'm not going to listen to you. We need to be the people that have the truth, that share the truth, encourage people with the truth, but we also need to be the kind of people that will hear the truth from other people. That's the first thing. Secondly, related to that, it's very much connected. Verse 14, we share in Christ Jesus. And this is not, this is not like Paul in some of his letters where he's talking about union with Christ. Where he's talking about all the benefits that Christ has, we have too. That's true and everything else. But that's not what the writer's talking about here. What he's saying is, you know what it is that connects us together as the people of God here? It's not Georgia football, right? We got some Auburn fans here, they're sad. It's not football. It's, it's, it's not even, look, it, it's not even first and foremost Redeemer Presbyterian Church. What connects us and who we share is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And because we share Christ, all those other differences fall to the wayside and we can encourage people with exactly what they need to hear. So important for our world today. We don't need to be talking. There are times, okay, there are times 
is you need to be talking about football. There are times when you need to be talking about politics. But I will tell you what, if you never talk about what you have in Jesus Christ, then maybe you don't have Jesus Christ. Encourage one another because we share in Jesus Christ. Verse 15 sums it all up. If you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Listen to him. In other words, don't listen to the world. Don't even listen to your own heart. You realize your own heart can lead you astray. Listen to Christ. Listen to the God who has sent his son to save you from your sins. I I do have to, I know I'm running a little bit late, but actually I'm doing really well, so I'm not going to cut this story out. Deuteronomy 1, verse 29, it's my favorite part of Scripture. Moses is recounting this story about how the people rebelled in one verse, and you know how he summarizes it? And, And I really need you to hear this. He summarizes it like this. You murmured, I'm going to say it in in today's language. You griped and groaned in your homes. And you said, the Lord must hate us. And the reason that they said that is something like, it's like, I can't believe God is asking me to do this. He must hate me. Now, let me, t- let, me, let me, I do know a lot of you out there, and he's asking you to do a lot of hard things, even sometimes to love your husband, love your wife, to sacrifice for the, the, the spiritual well-being of your children, to give away some of your money so that the kingdom of God, but if you're sitting there and you're saying, I can't believe God is asking me to do this, he must hate me, then you're going down the wrong path. Because God never places anything in front of his people because he hates you. He does everything because he loves you and he wants you to move, he wants to move you closer to Jesus Christ. We can, we can choose to listen to human voices of despair and they are all in the world today. All you have to do is turn on the news. All you have to do is open up some commentary on social media. We can choose to listen to the human voices of despair Or we can choose, as this passage teaches us, to listen to the voice of God. And you know what he says? He says the same thing to you that he said to his son before he goes off into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter whom I love. I've given him everything he needs to do what he's been called to do. That's our hope, brothers and sisters. The hope of Hebrews is Jesus is with you. It's real. Whether you're struggling with illness or your family members are struggling with illness, if you're struggling with loss, if, if you're struggling with seeing some of your friends and your neighbors go the wrong way, Jesus Christ is with you. And God will go with you wherever he calls you to do. And it's not only our hope, but it's our, he's our power. He's the one that enables us to trust and obey. Joshua and Caleb, they didn't, they didn't have the, the, they weren't like special heroes. They weren't any better than the other 10. The only thing they knew that the, ten, the other 10 forgot is they knew their God was for them. Our God is for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we come to the table, remind us that that's what the table's for. That Jesus Christ has come to take away our sin and he's going to go with us until he returns and make everything right. So as we come to the table, remind us of these truths that we would not have a a hardened, evil, unbelieving heart 
and that we'd follow Christ with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.